Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 11, College Football Betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody is having a great Monday. Hope everybody enjoyed just an absolutely bananas weekend in college football. Alabama goes down. A&M wins. Uh, Ole Miss, Arkansas is an all-timer. Texas, Oklahoma is an all-timer. Great weekend. Time to look ahead to week seven. This is the first of two episodes every week of college football betting. The first reaction to the opening lines that have come out via DraftKings Sportsbook. I should mention, by the way, I do it all the time, but if you are just looking for a little bit of a recap of this past weekend, just some college football talk, make sure to check out the Aratora Sports Podcast. That is my personal podcast. Three times a week, we're talking college football, a little college basketball this time of year, on and on and on and on and on. Let's get to the week seven slate. Uh, but before we do, I want to welcome back our partner, DraftKings. College football betting, Aaron Torres Media, as I said last week, has partnered with DraftKings. Here's the deal. It's October. Pro football is underway. Hockey is about to get started. The Major League Baseball playoffs have started. And DraftKings has an incredible deal. This, is, this, this deal is unbelievable that I'm about to tell you via DraftKings and our partnership with Aaron Torres Media College Football Betting, our partnership with DraftKings. Here is the deal. New users on DraftKings, you bet $1 in October on any Major League Baseball game, any NHL game, any pro football game, and you will get $100 in free bets if you bet $1 and the MLB team you bet on gets one hit in the game, if the NHL team scores one goal in the game, or if the pro football team scores a single point in that game, you get $100 in free bets. Bet $1, one hit, one goal, one point in football, and you get $100 in free bets from DraftKings. Really easy. This is all you got to do. Click the link in the uh, podcast profile here. So college football betting with Aaron Torres. You go in the little uh, rundown. I write up what this show is about. There's a link to DraftKings. The link is also tagged on my Twitter page at Aaron underscore Torres. You go in, you sign up through that link. It has to be through that link. Place a $1 wager. You got to make your first deposit, obviously. Place a $1 wager on any pro football game, any MLB playoff game, any NHL game, and again, one point in pro football, one one hit in baseball, one goal in hockey, and you get $100 free bets instantly. Act quick. 
You better act quick, because this is not going to last long, but an unbelievable offer from our friends at DraftKings. And I should remind you, of course, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 21-plus to be eligible, 18-plus in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit, deposit minimum $1 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, let's get into the Week 7 slate. And as I said to, uh, to lead the show, uh, listen, not an incredible Week 7 slate, and it's for a few reasons. I mean, one, we have a few teams, Ohio State who's playing well, Michigan, Penn State, they are on buys this week, so that plays into it. Obviously, there's a couple other teams that, that you know, they have played marquee games over the last couple weeks. They have not won, and so it changes how we feel about them and how we feel about their matchups with potential opponents. With that said... This is college football, and every time we think we know what is going to happen, we think we're going to have a quiet weekend, insanity prevails. Just like last weekend, by the way, when nobody, at least nobody that I know of, saw A&M winning outright against Alabama. So insane weekend in college football. Let's get into the Week 7 slate. And listen, we all know what the big game is. Uh, first of all, shout out to all of you who had Georgia and Kentucky as the final two unbeaten teams in the SEC. If you had that... In August, go ahead, give yourself a pat on the back. Also, you should probably go play the lottery because you are a genius and know stuff and can see into the future in a way that none of us can. But that is the game that we get on Saturday. That is the CBS game that it will, you know, the whole nation will be watching. Credit to Kentucky for getting to this point. But the one group of people that doesn't seem very excited about this game is the odds makers. Georgia opened as a 22.5-point favorite, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. It is now up to 23.5 points. And, uh, you know, they, they seem to think pretty comfortably that Georgia's going to win this. The over-under also at 44.5. The bottom line, we all know why this spread is the way it is. One, Georgia plays elite defense. Two, they are absolutely steamrolling everybody. Uh, they have played two ranked teams in the last two weeks. 37-0 win over Arkansas, 34-10 win over Auburn, and even in that Auburn game, Auburn kicks a field goal on the opening drive. They score a touchdown late, but they essentially cannot move the ball. And so that is who Georgia is, and this defense is somehow at a time in the year where it feels like everybody's banged up. Attrition is coming into play. Uh, you have a bad week. This defense is somehow getting stronger, currently leads the country in total defense, giving up just 203 yards per game, and of course scoring defense, giving up a staggering 5.5 points per game halfway through the season 
in this era, and I know they haven't played some of the elite offenses in college football, but in this era of college football with spread and RPO and tempo and everybody trying to score 60 on any given night, the fact that Georgia is holding teams under a touchdown a game is incredible, and it's not as though you can say they haven't played anybody either. Uh, they played three teams that were ranked in the top 20 when they played them. On top of that, they have played four SEC games and five games against Power 5 teams teams overall so it is incredible and that is obviously going to be the story of this game does Georgia's defense continue to do what it does does the run game continue to do what it does and then I think most importantly the question now goes to Kentucky it's a great story we love it it has been incredible the last two weeks watching Kroger Field turn into one of the most difficult road environments in all of college football Florida didn't have an answer there. they couldn't even get a snap off because that crowd was so loud LSU that is where the Ed Orgeron era at LSU went to die was last weekend against Kentucky. But the one thing that Kentucky has done really well is something that they will frankly probably struggle to do against this Georgia team this weekend. They, had, they averaged an insane amount of rushing yards and last week had 330 yards on the ground against LSU seven yards per carry against LSU, and that simply is not something that is going to keep happening going forward as we get set to play this Georgia game. And so the big thing for Kentucky, forget the spread for a second, and again, you know I don't give picks on this show, but forget the spread. Just for Kentucky to keep things competitive against the number one team in the country, it simply comes down to, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, you don't have to be Nick Saban or Bill Belichick to know, can Kentucky make plays through the air, and are they willing to get creative in how they do it? In a weird way, you know what this game reminds me of? Remember two weeks ago when Michigan went to Wisconsin, and I said, if Michigan thinks that they are just going to, th to run the ball right at that Wisconsin defense, they're going to lose. They might lose 3 nothing. they might lose 7 nothing because Wisconsin's offense stinks, but they are not going to win unless they get creative and they're willing to throw the ball at least to stretch that defense as well. And I think Kentucky's kind of in the same boat this week. The question is, will they and can they? Unfortunate news for Kentucky, their second leading receiver, Josh Ali, did not play last week against LSU. He is not expected this week. And overall, Kentucky hasn't even attempted to throw the ball over the last three or so games. 145 yards passing against LSU, 87 passing yards against Florida, 102 passing yards the week before against South Carolina listen you're going to have to make plays through the air to even keep this competitive let alone win and that is going to be the big one in this game next one up I think this one's fascinating Alabama at Mississippi State spread is 17 and a half points Alabama is the favorite 57 and a half the over under actually down a point from 58 and a half and, uh, you know, the game is in Starkville. The Cowbells will be ringing Saturday night kind of game. And we're going to learn a lot about Alabama in this game. Because, listen, Alabama has, um, you know, they've lost games and still gone on to win a national championship, play in the playoff, all of those things. But this is a completely different group, a completely different team. And what strikes me about this Alabama team a couple weeks into the season, now halfway through the season, actually, is a few things. One, I talked about it on the Aaron Torres podcast. I think you can legitimately argue that the best half of Alabama that Alabama football played all year was the first half against Miami to open the season and that they have not met that level since then. 
And so when you look at this Alabama team, they need to find an identity really fast. They're up, they're down, they play well on defense, but not on offense. Or They're always pretty good on offense, but they play well on defense, they don't play well on defense, they can run the ball, they can't run the ball. Think about all the different variables that we've seen from Alabama throughout this year. Great against Miami. Can't run the ball against Florida. Can't stop the run against Florida, okay? Uh, then they come back. They're awesome against Ole Miss. The defense steps up, gets all those fourth down stops. Um, and you think they're back. And then last week against AM, the defense can't make any plays in the secondary. Zach Calzada looks like Joe Montana. And they, they don't make enough plays. They can't block up front. And so what I don't know from Alabama right now, as weird as it sounds, what is their identity halfway through the season as they are now six games into a 12-game regular season? And I think also from a mental capacity. Uh, you know, listen, I follow a lot of great Alabama beat writers. One of them, Drew DeArmond, I thought brought up a great point. It is, we talk about all the production that was lost off last year's team. Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. What we don't talk about is the leadership that was lost off last year's team. And what's interesting to really think about with Alabama, there's a lot of guys in that locker room, a lot of guys that play. This is the first time they are ever coming off a loss at Alabama. And so we're going to see, do they have that championship mentality or is it the opposite and they don't know how to handle losses? They don't come to Alabama to lose. We are going to find out really quick, and we're going to find out quick against a frisky Mississippi State team. Listen, last two games, first of all, Mississippi State is coming off a bye, which I think is important as it pertains to this game. On top of that, we know they pass the ball really well. Um, they are fifth in the country in passing yardage. They don't even attempt to run the ball. Fewest run attempts in college football. And so we know, again, this is kind of that Kentucky-Georgia game. We know what this game is going to come down to. I, you know, Alabama, I don't expect them to lose a second one in a row, but if the secondary doesn't show up ready to play, if they're not more prepared than they were against Zach Calzada, uh, you know, it's going to be a close game throughout, and Mississippi State is going to be able to move the ball. I would also mention Mississippi State plays real defense now. Mississippi State top 30 nationally in defense. They've played some pretty good offenses. They completely shut down that Texas A&M offense a week before Alabama was unable to do the same. We're going to find out a lot about Alabama this week. I think it's just a fascinating game to think about because there is so much to peel back from the mental aspect of what happened last Saturday. Nick Saban's a master motivator again. Alabama has lost games and gone on to win the SEC, lost games in the regular season and gone on to win national championships, make playoffs. This is a whole new deal, though. Whole new group of guys came to Alabama to compete at that highest level. How do they bounce back after all of the uh, everything that has happened here over the last couple of days? Speaking of kind of the mental aspect of bouncing back off a loss, I mean, you talk about one from a fascinating perspective, Auburn and Arkansas. Auburn and Arkansas, just a fascinating game because, again, it ultimately comes down to really simple. What do you get out of both of these teams off of a loss, right? I mean, just think about it. Auburn is coming off of a loss against uh, Georgia that they, they look like just about everybody else against Georgia. I should mention, by the way, very quickly, um, very quickly in this game, Arkansas is a three and a half point favorite. It is an 11 a.m. Central time kickoff homecoming. 53 is the over under. And again, I think what it comes back down to is all pretty simple. Who bounces back better off a loss? For Auburn, I think it's more of the mental aspect of things, right? Or, or, or excuse me, I, I think it's more of the physical aspect of things. Georgia's mean. 
Georgia's nasty. And, I, you know, I don't know if there's a body blow effect because Arkansas just put up 600 yards and 50-plus points off of that Georgia game. But I think Brian Harsin can probably take the same message to his team this past this week that Sam Pittman brought to his team the past week. And that is, we just played the best team in the country. There is no shame, as Brian Harsin actually said in his postgame press conference, that right there, that's the program that we're trying to build, but we're not there yet. Put it behind us. We just lost to the best team in the country, and let's move forward in a game that we are only a field goal and change favorite against on the road against Arkansas. Now, Arkansas, I think it's the opposite. You're coming off the second straight loss, but last week you can kind of put it aside to we just played Georgia. Might be the best team in the country. Right now they are the best team in the country. Now, can you get off the emotional uh, circumstance of what happened at Ole Miss where you put up 60 point, 600 yards, you put up almost 60 points, your defense can't get a stop because Ole Miss's offense is awesome, um, and can you come into this game ready to play off an emotional win where, or off an emotional loss where you gave up 50 plus points and it came down to one play and KJ Jefferson was not able to make the completion. I think if you're looking for positives out of that game, and I know there's some a lot of negatives defensively, but Ole Miss is a real defense. You had almost 700 yards of total offense if you're Arkansas. K.J. Jefferson's best game through the air. I thought he threw the ball really well. You rushed for 350 yards of offense, and that last part is going to be the interesting part. It will be strength on strength in terms of who has the advantage here. Arkansas still number 10 nationally in rushing yardage. Again, 350 yards rushing last week against Ole Miss. Auburn coming off that big physical game against Georgia is in the top 25 nationally in rush defense. We will see what happens in this game. But again, it's about the mental components of coming off of a loss. Speaking of mental components, how about this one? Florida going to LSU. Florida on the road in Death Valley against LSU is a 10-point favorite. And it's, it's actually kind of interesting. I put up the opening lines on Aaron Torres online every Sunday afternoon. There was no opening line for this game on Sunday. And I think it was because DraftKings and all the sportsbooks were sitting back waiting to make sure that Coach O wasn't fired before they hung a line up there. But now we have the line. LSU is a 10-point underdog. And they got some even worse news on Monday as Keyshawn Boutte, still my favorite name in college football, by the way, Keyshawn Boutte uh, is out for, their year, out for the year, their leading receiver. And what's wild about that is it comes off of the Kentucky game in which LSU struggled to pass the ball. And that's the crazy part about that loss. I've been critical of LSU. I've talked about their inability to run the ball. They actually run the, ran the ball very effectively against Kentucky. 147 yards on the ground, over four yards per carry, and it was the pass game with Max Johnson that did not get the job done. And so I think on a week-to-week, -week, we just don't know what we're getting from this LSU team anymore. I saw Coach O did speak to the media on Monday. I thought he actually handled himself well. He said, I'm the coach. He said, no one has bigger expectations for this program than I do. I grew up in Louisiana. I understand the expectations that come with this job. And now it's just a question of, it doesn't appear as though Scott Woodward, the AD, is going to fire him during the season. And so the question now becomes, can he rally the troops enough to at least get this program back to respectability in what ultimately looks like the last season of his career? I really thought, or last season of his time at LSU, I really did think that, uh, that, that, you know, Saturday, I, I said it during the game. 
I said it felt like a tarmac game. It felt like the kind of game you get fired after. But he survives, and now the question becomes, can he rally the 85 guys in that locker room, especially without their best skill position guy in Keyshawn Boutte? Beyond that, Florida, look at them from their perspective. We know what they do well. LSU, not physical, not tough. Florida runs the ball insanely well. Top rushing team in the SEC, number four in the nation in rushing overall. Had a great bounce back win over Vanderbilt the other day. And oh, by the way, you know who they got back? They got back Anthony Richardson, the backup running, uh, the backup quarterback who has not played since week two against South Florida. We thought he might be on the field for Bama. Didn't play against Bama, hasn't been back. He played a little bit against Vandy. Um, the last thought on this game, so we, we kind of know how it's going to go down, right? Florida's going to run the ball. LSU's going to try to run the ball. Can they make enough plays? Last little thought on this game. Listen, we have counted out teams before in big rivalry games and said they had no chances, and that includes this game last year. Remember, LSU was a 24-and-a-half-point underdog at Florida last year. Florida, we thought at the time, was in the college football playoff conversation. Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Toney. What ends up happening? LSU goes to the swamp, wins outright as a 24-and-a-half-point underdog. And what I find interesting, they have had a lot of success in this rivalry. They have won six of their last eight against Florida, eight of the last 11. The three losses have been by eight points, six points, and eight points. The last time LSU lost by double digits in this rivalry was when Tim Tebow was at Florida in 2009. It has been a long time. But you talk about a point spread that screams where Vegas and the odds makers and DraftKings think these two teams are. Florida, a double-digit favorite on the road against LSU. Last SEC game I want to talk about. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, is this one. Is, it, is this a game or is this a game? We got Tennessee hosting Ole Miss Saturday night. And for those of you that can't do the mental math, you know what that means? Lane Kiffin coming back to Neyland Stadium as the head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. And I know Lane Kiffin's been back before as Alabama's court. This is different. This is a different deal when he is leading a program in the SEC into Neyland Stadium a decade and change after he, of course, abruptly left the school in the middle of the night. Just insanity, insanity, insanity. And what's interesting about this game, by the way, this is about as good as Tennessee has looked in a really, really, really long time and certainly as good as the offense has looked probably since Lane Kiffin was there. The spread, I should mention, by the way, is only Ole Miss by three. The over-under went from 79 to 77, from 77, where it opened, to 79 overnight, and I think it's with good reason. This Tennessee offense is humming under Brian, uh, under Brian, I was going to say Brian Harson. I meant to say Josh Heupel, I know who the head coach of Tennessee is. Uh, they're moving the ball. 62 points against Missouri the other week, 50, uh, 45 points against South Carolina, 38 or more in the first half in each of the last two games. Crazy stat that I tweeted out. In Jeremy Pruitt's three years as head coach, Tennessee broke the 35-point mark three times as Tennessee's head coach in three years. Josh Heupel has broken the 35-point mark in the first half the last two games, so this one is going to be high scoring. As far as Ole Miss is concerned, listen, we know how this stuff works, right? Two really emotional wins. You lose at Alabama. You'll come back. You beat Arkansas. You do have success. Uh, and oh, by the way, you have LSU after this one at home, and so this is kind of that sandwich game. 
We know it's going to mean a lot for the Tennessee fans. We know it's going to mean a lot for Tennessee. Is Ole Miss fired up? Are they ready to go? I would also say, I think we're starting to see this LSU, this, this Ole Miss defense, excuse me, they are starting to look like the defense from last year. I was trying to give them a benefit of the doubt through one or two weeks. I thought maybe, maybe, maybe they're getting better. 42 points, 450 yards against Alabama. And as I said, almost 700 yards of total offense given up to Arkansas. Uh, let's transition out of the SEC as we start to wrap up this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. By the way, the only other uh, SEC game of note, uh, Texas A&M at Missouri. If you want to guess at how Texas A&M is going to play after what we just saw last week, your guess is as good as mine. But let's switch to some other non-SEC games. First of all, Friday night. How about this? Little Friday night at the Dome. What are you doing on Friday night? Friday night at the Dome, Clemson off of a bye at Syracuse, and this is a really interesting game. First of all, remember, it was about six years or so ago uh, that Clemson, I think it was four years ago, excuse me, Clemson goes to the Dome on Friday night. Kelly Bryant, they get upset. So there is some history here, and what I would tell you is a couple things. One, Clemson is one of the few teams they have not covered a single time yet this season. The odds makers keep giving them the benefit of the doubt. They keep letting those odds makers down, and this Syracuse team is at the very least really frisky. Syracuse, to its credit, quietly runs the ball very effectively, 10th nationally in rushing yardage. That includes 228 yards against Liberty, which is a top 10 defense nationally right now. And also, they play really good defense. Now, I will say the defense has struggled more as they've gotten deeper into ACC play. They gave up 33 two weeks ago against Florida State, 40 against Wake Forest last week, who might be the best team in the ACC. I'm just telling you to tell you. You know, you talk about a Friday night with real implications – it's, it's going down in the Dome where Clemson, look, Clemson still has a lot to play for. I don't know if they're going to win the ACC. I don't think, I'm almost certain they're not going to win the ACC because they're going to need NC State to lose twice in that division just to get to the ACC championship game. But listen, I mean, a 10-2 Clemson's going to a good bowl game. A 10-2 Clemson's playing on New Year's Day. It's just a matter of whether they want to be that team um, and whether they have it in them. We're going to find out because this is a game. It is going to be a challenge. It's not going to be easy for Clemson. And I'm curious, how do they bounce back off of the bye week? Are they uh, rested, improved, whatever you want to say, because they have not been very good. Also worth noting, by the way, Oregon also plays on Friday night. They will play Cal at home. Uh, you talk about just a jumbled mess the Pac-12 North. Every week there's a new leader. It was Oregon. Then Oregon State takes over. Possession of first place last week. They lose to Washington State. And so Oregon is not only again in the driver's seat to win this division, but all of a sudden Arizona State in the uh, Pac-12 South gets really interesting as well. It's worth noting Oregon has to take care of Cal this week. Then you know who they get next week. They play at UCLA with Chip Kelly. Speaking of UCLA, I'll say, by the way, uh, they are they opened as a one-point underdog at, um, at Washington. It is now up to three and a half. You talk about a bizarre, bizarre, bizarre spread. Uh, they open as a one-point favorite. Uh, excuse me, now up to one and a half. It was up to three and a half earlier in the day, so that number is bouncing around. Let's quickly wrap up a couple Big 12 games. Uh, first of all, Texas-Oklahoma State. I mean, you talk about a fascinating game, big noon kickoff, and we know what's at stake here. First of all, Oklahoma, quietly, 6-0, the only undefeated team outside of Oklahoma in the Big 12. 
Um, and they've done it with defense. That's kind of the interesting thing. You know, we think of uh, uh, not just the Big 12, but Oklahoma State specifically. You know, uh, Brandon Whedon, Justin Blackman, all the great skill position guys that they've had through the years. You know, this is a defense first team right now. You look at them, 19th nationally in total defense, 12th against the run. And we saw it last week with Texas. When Oklahoma was able to take away the run in the second half, that offense stagnated. Casey Thompson right now at this point in his career is not a guy that can take a team and put them entirely on his back. So you, you look at this game, Texas, of course, coming off that emotional draining loss. I watched some of the post game from them. Uh, they seem to be handling it well. They seem to be taking it in stride. But, you know, you talk about a team that what are we going to get from them? They are a five-point favorite. You just don't know what to make of them. And I think from Oklahoma State's perspective, you don't really know what to make as well. They do have a couple nice wins. They took care of Boise on the road earlier this year. They took care of Baylor a few weeks ago. Baylor, of course, was a top 25 team at that time. So we'll see. But just a fascinating matchup uh, in this one going forward. Uh, last couple games. First of all, I just mentioned Oklahoma at home, 11 and a half point favorite against TCU. Lincoln Riley refuses to name a starter, and I think with good reason, right? Um, you know, you got to keep Spencer Rattler engaged. You have to also, by the way, key, try to keep him on campus if you can, because one, I think it's easy to forget, Caleb Williams did not play high school football last year. He is young, very talented, but very young. And so, you know, you start to talk about a situation where you maybe uh, are going to need Spencer Rattler at some point in the coming weeks. I wouldn't write him off just yet. Uh, and so you have TCU at home. You're an 11.5-point favorite. Again, uh, you know, I, I don't give picks on here. I don't give advice. I'll tell you, be wary if you're willing to bet that one um, because I don't think anybody really knows exactly what they are going to get from Oklahoma and specifically from the quarterback position. I mean, are, are we rotating quarterbacks? Are we playing both? Are we starting Caleb Williams permanently? Until you have a better idea of what is happening, um, you know, that's just one that I simply uh, cannot engage myself on. Finally, ACC will just kind of wrap. I, I mentioned a couple things. One, the Clemson game. Two, North Carolina Tar Heels. I mean, you talk about a bizarre team, okay? Uh, they are a team. They're high. They're low. Peaks and valleys, ebbs and flows, on and on and on. They play Miami this week. Uh, they are a touchdown favorite against Miami. Miami's without De'Ara King. Derek King's out for the year, unfortunate. I know he came back for an extra year to try and, you know, basically get Miami back to where, you know, he thought they should be. But he's out for the year, and now you play a North Carolina team that, again, you talk about peaks and flows, ebbs and valleys with North Carolina. Let's look at their season. Open with a win against Virginia Tech. Win two in a row. Lose to Georgia Tech. Beat Duke. Lose to Florida State. The defense isn't getting the job done. Uh, they have given up. 35-plus points in three games this year. Uh, Miami, it's just a question of can they score the ball? Can they go score for score against Sam Howell and company? I think that's really it, guys. Like I said, a little bit of a more quiet slate this week. Later in the week, we will have a much bigger breakdown, a much more in-depth breakdown of all these games, but wanted to get out this early line, you know, this early opening lines uh, podcast. That is all for this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. First off, make sure that you are subscribed. Apple, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Music, you can get it there. Make sure to subscribe. Tell your friends. Again, I truly appreciate what you guys have done for this show. The numbers continue to go up every single week. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed. Make sure to share. 
And that's really it. Make sure to listen to the Aaron Torres podcast, Aaron Torres Online. My week seven picks will be up by the time the next episode of this show airs. So stay tuned. I appreciate it. I will be back later this week. Thank you all for the support. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.